of Problem Busters, where we share people and their ideas to fix the problems that we see around us. And of course, I am joined with my co-host, Jonathan. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm all right. You've had a busy week, haven't you? Yes, very, very busy. Uh, But I was looking forward to uh, this uh, podcast today because we have a, a special guest today, don't we? And it's my turn to tell the story, isn't it? Yes. So, so we have with us today Alice Lutier. And I'm sorry for butchering your name, Alice. Um, but that is the best that a Kiwi who didn't grow up speaking French can do. Alice is, a, is the head of coaching at an organization called Makers. And that effectively means that she runs a team of people who are helping people learn to code. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. So, first of all, would you like to tell us a little bit about you and how you ended up getting to the place that that was helping people learn about engineering and development? Sure. Um, so, I'm uh, um, French and I grew up um, not really knowing what I wanted to do, um, but I was quite good at math. In fact, my my dad's a mathematician. And so I I fell into it uh, when I was a kid. Um, And I feel like I always kind of took the default option. And so what happened to me is in high school, I liked math. And so I took math after high school. I didn't want to do medicine. um, So I went into engineering. And then after two years, I didn't want any more physics or thermodynamics. And so I took um, software engineering, um, and that's that's how I landed in the software industry, basically. So after after that engineering degree in software engineering, um, I had a number of uh, jobs in a few different companies um, um, in the software industry, um, culminating with uh, three years at Facebook um, a few years ago, um, and then. I kind of I kind of burnt out and I kind of realized well I never really you know what I never really chose what I want to do I always took the default option um and so I took some time for myself I went traveling I reflected on what is it that I really want to do and when I came back from that I realized I want to work more with people and ever since then I've been making choices around working more with people and that has quite naturally led me to coaching because it's a way of doing something completely new, education, which I, I didn't know much about, to be fair, um, but still relying on all the things I've done before and all of the um, uh, experience I've had. Um, and so I've been a coach uh, at Makers for about two years and a half, and I've been managing the team for about a year now. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. That's a really succinct summary. If only I could summarize my career <laughs> so succinctly, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> one one question that I've been burning to ask you since uh, reading about some of your journey to date um, is, could you explain to folks what a hackathon is and and what it felt like to win one at Facebook? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I joined Facebook because I won a hackathon that they were organizing and the hackathon is, um, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a word that has hack, uh, as in programming and, uh, Athen as a marathon and the idea or traditionally the idea is that you gather a bunch of people and you give them a short period of time. Um, it used to, a lot of the time it used to be overnight. So you give them 24 hours, um, and they have to produce, um, a small app, a small program, uh, a project. Um, and I was working in London. Um, someone retweeted me a tweet saying, uh, oh, Facebook is organizing a women in tech hackathon. You should absolutely join. Um, and so I applied, um, and their hackathon was actually a day hackathon, which was nice. It was an overnight. Uh, we arrived at eight in the morning. I remember they had really good, um, pain au chocolat, which is Excellent. something I had, yeah, yeah <laughs> something I had been craving ever since I arrived in London, uh, uh, because I couldn't find a good one and they had the good ones. And I, I think it's, it's a non-zero, uh, like it's, it's a, it, it was actually part of my decision to then join uh, that they had such good pain au chocolat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then, uh, you know, at the start of a hackathon, people, um, um, people meet and then pitch ideas to each other and form small teams. And then you work uh, all day, sometimes all day and night on, on your ID. And at the end, you do a, a presentation in front of everyone. Um, and so what we did that day, I paired up with uh, someone else that I met there. And we built a small web app that you can run on your phone. Um, and um, you, you, you run the app and you start, um, you, you press some kind of play button and then you um, jump rope, like you, you, you skip and it counts the skips and then tells you how many calories you burned uh, or an approximation. Um, and what was, what was quite funny, it, this was very much the start of fitness trackers and the first prize for the hackathon which i didn't know was actually a fitbit um so <laughs> it was very funny to me yes that's what we won was actually something doing what we had done much 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 better talk about serendipity yeah uh but yeah so that that allowed me to you know meet some people at facebook obviously they were doing this hackathon to recruit people and so after that, I uh, took some interviews and I joined, and that was in uh, 2012 already, 2013. I wish I remembered one of these two, 2013, 2012. Yes. Okay. Okay. Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about the the next role um, with She Can Code, because I happen to have worked for a business that was run entirely by women and loved it and would like to see a lot more of it. And I know that that experience has been quite, um, quite formative for you, right? Yes, uh, maybe not in... In the ways that you think though but but yes definitely so um so as i said earlier when i left facebook i i i burnt out a little bit um i think i was just not finding the software developer role as entirely fulfilling as i wanted um 
when I started uh, at Facebook, the, the London office was really small. And so I, I was doing a lot of recruiting. I was doing a lot of um, uh, mentoring, uh, a lot of these things. Uh, and then at the, as the company grew, I was just doing a more standard software developer role. And it was it was just less fun. Um, and so, as I said, I went traveling. And when I came back from traveling, I I was just open to new projects. And I met this... Um, uh, I met this uh, uh, person, this uh, woman founder um, who uh, had, was just starting um, a business right then, and she had been a uh, she had been a recruiter, a tech recruiter, and she had seen that there were not enough women coming through. As a tech recruiter, you you typically uh, get to work more uh, with men. Uh, there's just more men uh, in the industry um and and we chatted and we like, we had seen similar problems from different sides right i had seen not enough women uh, come through in the tech industry and she had seen um that either she didn't get many women as a recruiter to that she could work with or sometimes she would get them and they wouldn't uh, pass the interviews and so we worked together for about uh, five months really trying to build a product around that and I think um, it taught me so much because on one side it taught me a lot about diversity this is a time when I read so much about diversity and, and women in tech and how that um, what are the dynamics there at play uh, for why there are uh, you know so few women in tech but it also taught me so much about trying to set up a business when you're two people coming from very different uh, backgrounds. Uh, it taught me about how, like, just because there's a problem doesn't mean that there's an easy, like, doesn't mean that there's um, a solution that will appear. Um, and we know there's this problem, uh, but we wanted a product because when you want to create a, a startup, you want a product to answer that problem. And in fact, I think we realized that we couldn't really make a product that will would solve that problem. Um, and um, we kind of tried a few different things, but we never really solidified the product that would that would solve this. And so it was a it was really a schooling into trying to grow a business, trying to understand what. Uh, what it takes to to create a product and what can make a product work or not work ultimately it didn't work and we we drifted apart um, but I also learned so much as I said about uh, diversity and I met a lot of women uh, who either wanted to to go into tech or were already in tech um, and in fact one of the women I met uh, was someone who had trained at makers and later on I remembered her and I applied to makers amazing it's funny how things just lead us from one person to another or one thing to another, right? If we yeah. have our eyes open. So let's talk about the problem, shall we, Jonathan? Yes. So um, what is the uh, problem you'd like to discuss, Alice? Right. So um, this actually builds up on that previous experience. Um, the tech industry needs more people. We know that the world is being uh, is relying more and more on tech, and there's just not enough people trained uh, into tech. But but more even more interesting to me, the, the tech industry needs more diverse 
people, the tech industry near more uh, women, the tech industry needs more people of color, the tech industry needs more people who come from um, a whole lot of underrepresented uh, backgrounds. Um, and that's, to me, that is really uh, the problem I'm trying to solve. Train more people who wouldn't have otherwise gotten the opportunity um, to get into the tech industry. Perfect. I think um, that's a <laughs> that's a that's a um, a really interesting problem because um, being a person of color, I can see when you talk about opportunity. When my parents came over to the UK in the fifties, um, it would be interesting to to sort of have this problem solved, where you're trading a, a different environment with a different set of skill sets, uh, skill uh, skills that worked over there. And now you're coming to sort of like a metropolitan city and seeing what can you actually achieve and, and where can you go and who can help you solve that problem of, of sort of upskilling and and uh, sort of integrating into, um, you know, your surroundings. So uh, my the second question to that, Alice, is, is so um, how are you going about solving it? Yeah, for sure. So um, that's really interesting what you say, because there's a. Um, I think the, the, the core of the problem is that there's a strong um, idea that in order to be a developer, um, you need to have um, a CS degree, um, you know, and maybe if you didn't choose that earlier on in your life, then it's too late. Um, and there's also an idea that in order to be a developer, you need to be a genius. You need to be really, really smart. And um, if for a reason or another, you you were not, um, you, you were into spheres that were not in that way reflected to you as um, a very, very smart, uh, you know, sphere or universe, uh, you may feel like, well, that's, that's not for me. I can't, I can't do that. And I think that's, that's really wrong. I think that's uh, actually a, 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 you know, an idea that hurts the tech industry a lot because it prevents a lot of amazing people to join. Um, um, and, um, and there's a big problem, also, obviously, of representation. You know, it, you you go to places that where you see other people like you uh, succeed, and uh, until that is fixed, there's there's not much we can do. So what we do at Makers is we train um, developers. We train developers in a non-traditional way. So we're not a degree. Um, it, it takes just a few months uh, if you if you train with makers to go from wanting to change your career um, and and never really having you know looked at code to then um, get a get a job as software developer. Obviously, it, it takes slightly different amount of times for each person, but um, I've I've seen many 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 people now do this whole turnover of. I don't think my career is for me anymore. I want to change and to one year later being happily employed into a software developer role. Um, and I think that means that we access a lot of people who earlier on had had different opportunities um, and, and didn't didn't either didn't know that this was an option for them or or wait, were not able to, you know, take that opportunity um, and 
and can now do it. They can do it later in life. They can do it with more experience. Um, and that creates, for me, that creates amazing new people for the tech industry because that creates people who bring something different um, than, you know, the traditional um, high school, then engineering degree, and then software mm. world. I know someone who has an engineering degree. Oh, Don't I, Jonathan. Who, who might that be? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, yeah. when you looked around the room when you were in engineering, Jonathan, how many women were in the room, or how many people of color? Um, just uh, my wife, who who was actually who's actually a woman of color and an engineer. <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, we met in university, but it wasn't it wasn't um, it was diverse. But I can honestly say there were a lot of men, a lot of men uh, compared mm -hmm. to, to women. There was there was a handful of women and f the women in there typically came from a background of um, either their parents were were either an engineer or because um, I did civil engineering or were in construction. So yeah. it, it is, you know, um, opening up these opportunities for people is is, I think, one of one of the best. <laughs> one, of, one of the best problems to solve um, yeah if i'm honest yeah agree agree yeah. ls could we just take it back a step for people who perhaps have thought about um, the idea of becoming a software engineer but a thought they didn't have the degree early enough or b perhaps thought that you had to be super smart as you quite rightly said what is a, a cs degree and what is the alternative to mm. um, becoming a software engineer if it wasn't the option that you just talked about at Makers because I think that gives people an idea of how much of a, a change Makers can bring to the, to the market. Yeah, um, so I think the traditional degree uh, would be five years, would be a, a master's of science. Um, what I did was in France, so it's a slightly different terminology, but it was software engineering degree. And again, it was five years after high school. Um, a lot of theory, um, and yeah, just five years of university, which can be quite quite costly um, in times in time and, and money. Um, now, we like, in fact, we have known for a while that this is not the only way into uh, uh, um, being a developer. Uh, even before makers existed, there have been self-taught developers. And I, I feel like this is quite interesting because as a doctor, you never meet, you know, a self-taught doctor, or at least maybe you don't entirely trust them to mm. <laughs> <laughs> operate on you. Um, but in the software world, there, there, were, there, there always were those, those people who were self-taught. Um, the thing is, um, in fact, in order to do a, a CS degree or in order to be self-taught, you still need to have um, a lot of drive. Uh, in order to be self-taught, you better have people around you who believe you can do it, and, and you better believe yourself that you can do it. Um, so, so the, the self-taught route is a is is possible, but it's it's a really long road with so many opportunities for being discouraged by not having the right uh, resource or the right people around you or the right environment. Um, or, or the right amount of time, um, and and I think I think this is really where uh, boot camps. So makers is a boot camp, um, and there's um, there are a few more uh, boot camps out there. But makers was the first one I think in the UK, 
Um, I hope you don't mean up at 5 a.m. and give me 20 push-ups. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know. I really I really don't like the name um, uh, boot camp. I mean, I think initially it was uh, definitely, you know, a reference to the military. Um, um, and it was this idea that uh, in a short amount of time with uh, a lot of really hard work and hard training, you'll be... Uh, a tough software developer but but we've moved so much from that and and today especially on makers it's so important for us for example that uh, um, uh, developers balance their well-being with their coding and and take time for themselves and and that whole uh, mental health part is actually a really important part of of our bootcamp but the name still stays um and so and so this 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 thing the 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 boot camp is um so for us it's it's uh it's 16 weeks total the first four weeks are are like prep exercises that you do at home um and then 12 weeks of the main course uh traditionally we do it on site but currently we're doing it remote um like you know a lot of businesses um and so in total it's 16 weeks um but then um, there is also a, a huge part after that, which is career support. And we, we support people while they're looking for jobs. Uh, we help them uh, preparing for interviews. We give them career uh, coaching. Um, and then we're, we're there until they get a job. And in fact, we're there even after um, because we have a quite a vibrant alumni community with a Slack workspace. And sometimes I, I describe makers less as a bootcamp and more as a, this is, you know, this is a member, this is a lifelong membership to a crowd of really, um, uh, uh, really welcoming software developers who are going to be there at, at all points of your life. But obviously it starts with the training and, and a lot of the time when people talk about makers, they talk about the training. Um, so that formula of having a short training, it's, it is such a difference because it it, it, it does I mean obviously it, it still involves money. Um the main the main course for us um is eight thousand pounds, which is I, I very much appreciate, not zero. Sure. Um, but compare it to a degree and yeah. but exactly. <laughs> compared compared to five years of university, it's still it's still quite different. Um and we and we do have a few different options too. We have an apprenticeship which is uh free. Um too. So, so we have kind of a few different products. Um, cool, cool. And yeah. the way that we actually came across Makers, right, Jonathan, is uh, is referred through a colleague of mine, Josh, um, who who's quite happy for me to share how much he enjoyed the process. And uh, and he he actually started in theatre, and uh, and was in administration and thought I'd like to try coding. I'd like to move into a different arena. And and he actually looked at both options of the degree or the um, the boot camp approach. And oh, it's just fascinating. I mean, he enjoyed it so much that he became a coach for a while, didn't he, Alice? And, uh, and then has, has since become a, a senior engineer with me and, and is a really good worker, you know, a really good example of an engineer. Um, so something that really struck me when he started talking about makers is that you don't teach, right? And that is quite radical. Can you explain a bit about that? Because I think that has wide-reaching um, ramifications for a lot of the ways that people teach and learn. 
Yeah, yeah, this is really interesting. Um, I've learned so much about education um, since I've become a coach um, and so much about how people learn. And so when we when we say that we don't teach, um, what it looks like is we don't have classes where there is someone who comes in front of the class and um, starts talking about concepts with this idea of they have the knowledge and they're going to transfer it into people's brains. That idea of knowledge transfer, um, we don't really believe in it. And we're not the only ones. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, education uh, uh, research that uh, supports that. Uh, but that, that's, that supports the fact that knowledge transfer is not, it's not necessarily the way. Um, and in fact, what we are trying to do is... Um, we are starting from the idea that people build their own knowledge inside of their brain based on the experiences that they have. And so what is important for us to do is give them experiences that are uh, appropriate to their current level of understanding and that is going to lead them to expand their understanding and their knowledge and their um mental model of how uh, the world works, or at least, you know, how programs and code work. Um, and that takes a lot of different uh, um, uh, forms, uh, you know, that can be uh, modeling where I'm going to um, I'm going to code in front of developers and they're going to observe new things and, 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 and see some techniques that I'm using and, and, and pick up some tips there. Uh, that obviously takes the form of, of challenges where we um, encourage people to um, reach a goal, um, to develop a program that does X and they um, they have to find their own resources and, and talk to each other um, and ask questions until they get there. Um, there's, um, there's, there's like, there, I mean, they're always pairing, so they're, they're going to uh, work together and kind of challenge each other to e explain um, uh, what they need to do and, and how they're doing it. And by uh, talking to each other and reflecting and expressing what they understand, they're going to, you know, improve their understanding. Um, and, and then can you something... Just, sorry, sorry, could you just, can you explain pairing? Because yeah, when I sure. first sort of, you know, when that became a thing, I was mm -hmm. like, but surely two people doing something is slower than one person doing one thing and one person doing another, right? Wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, um, it definitely can look that way from the outside. Um, so pairing is when two people work together on the same problem. And so in programming, that is two people working on the same computer, uh, maybe with the same uh, keyboard. Um, and they're, they're working on the same task and they're talking to each other throughout and they maybe take turns um, for who's typing and who's, um, you know, uh, not necessarily directing, but, but giving a direction. Yeah. Um, so they take turn. And, and what is really important in pairing is to kind of share the mental space that you're in and, and put your two brains together at the same task. Um, and I think it has it has a lot of benefits for work, uh, for programmers at work. Um, 
obviously it works amazingly well for knowledge transfer. Uh, when you have two different people in the team, it's very likely they what they know is you know slightly different. And so uh, if you pair them together, they're going to learn from each other. Um, it works great for uh, motivation when you have to work on a task by yourself or when you have someone else there working with you and challenging you every step of the way and you're challenging them. Um, there's there's a much different drive uh, in terms of how how much energy we're putting into the task that we're doing. Um, so so it, it can really help when you're when you're um, struggling with uh, you know motivation and drive. Uh, it helps with uh, spotting uh, uh, mistakes or spotting uh, small things. Obviously, you know uh, two pairs of eyes are are always better at spotting typos. Um, but also for us. Um, in learning, and I, sorry, uh, you, you're laughing, but um, if, you, if you don't program, maybe you don't know this, but I, I always tell developers, uh, new developers, 99% of your uh, bugs um, as a beginner developer is gonna be typos. And ah. typos, like one typo can take you two hours to fix. Oh, if wow. you don't see it, you know, yeah. uh, you, you don't see it and you don't know where the problem is and, and your debugging technique is not uh, is not there yet. Uh, it can be really, really hard to, to find it. And I think as you become a better developer, um, it's not that you do fewer typos, maybe you do, but uh, it's more that you get very good at uh, attention to detail and you're able to spot one space that is not where it needs to be <laughs> or one character that is not where you, uh, where it needs to be. And that's oh, really something that you, you develop as a developer, yeah. And people, uh, as a product person, <laughs> my, uh, my developers are constantly correcting my spelling and bless them, I am becoming better grammatically as a result. <laughs> <laughs> but But I think that's something that you have to develop as a developer because typos will lose you so much time uh, early on. Um, so, so a second pair of eyes that spots the typo as you're writing it is saving you so much time. And and in fact, the time you spend coding, um, especially as a beginner, is going to be much less than the time you spend debugging, finding your bugs. So if you can avoid, if you can have fewer bugs as you write the code, uh, it's definitely going to save you a lot of time. Um, but there's a there's a reason another reason we use pairing because because for us it's all about learning. Um, people are going to learn from each other, and what we do is we change pairs every day. So imagine you have a cohort of of twenty people, and and you know on day one, um, person A pairs with person B, and they're showing them something, and then. On day two, person A pairs with person C and person B pairs with person D. And now all four of them knows that new thing. And then on the on the the next day, there's eight people knowing that new thing. And uh, it's it's so useful to be able to disseminate knowledge like this, where each person is going to bring new knowledge to the rest of the cohort. Without PowerPoint slides, huh? <laughs> yeah, without PowerPoint slides. And... In fact, I really, really hate PowerPoint slides. Uh, when so when we were on site, I was always on the whiteboard. Um, um, when someone or or um, uh, or at at a desk, I had, I actually people were making fun of me because I had a, a clipboard, you know, like this thing where you have a sheets of paper and they're all clipped together. But that's because I I'm a very visual person and I really like to when I when I chat with someone, I really like to make a drawing to to kind of um, explain something in a way that is not just um, 
the explanation in words, but also some uh, other modes, so the, a visual mode here in, in the sense. And then I would uh, give away the sheet of paper, so a clipboard was really useful for that. Um, but um, uh, those explanations still happen. I mean, it's not like the coaches never ever um, say anything about what they know to the devs, but the devs seek answers from the coaches. Um, and, and, that's, and that's something else that I think is important for us in the workplace. Like as a developer, you have to learn throughout your life, right? Um, technology changes all the time and you have to be constantly learning. There may be new technologies uh, that you have to use. Um, and, and because you have to learn throughout your life, it's in fact more important for us that devs are going to be able to learn new things later on. Um, and so without coaches there, without teachers, without, you know, um, a course that takes them through uh, a number of set exercises, uh, they will have to find their own resources. Um, so it's important for us that they, as early as possible, they start that way. At work, you're going to be given a, a goal uh, for a task and you're going to have to find the resources that will help you. And that's what we do on the course. We give them a goal and they're going to have to Google. They're going to have to ask questions. They're going to have to ask each other. They're going to have to ask a coach um, and they're going to gather all those pieces of knowledge together and, you know, become developers. Yeah, it was really interesting saying to, to Josh, you know, how has being a coach changed your approach to parenting and and uh and and it's amazing he said you know he just he just sees his children going through a lifelong learning process and he said um the the direct quote i hope you don't mind josh is uh because it's so cute is uh i see endless learning opportunities in their daily lives and that that says a lot about the mentality of a coach i think Yes, definitely. Everything is learning opportunity. I think sometimes uh, uh, devs can be a little bit frustrated when we um, uh, they come at a they come to us with you know the, the, a bug that they've been quite frustrated because they really want to solve it and and we are we're so happy and we're celebrating this, saying this is a great learning opportunity. Let's let's see how we can make sure that. Next time you find this, you you know exactly how to how to solve this, but also uh, you know how to solve all other bugs that are in that same category. Um, and so there's there's something else that we 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 like to uh, uh, do is that we we focus a lot on the processes. Um, there's this idea that um, there's a number of levels of mastery of of something. There's a, the level at which you can really concretely do something. Uh, maybe you know the right syntax to write a function in Ruby. And then there's the level at which you can actually, you know, talk about it and, and define the concepts be behind it. And then there's a level at which you can use it in a lot of different ways and, and use it as building blocks to solve bigger problems. Um, and you really have a process around it. Um, and then maybe there's a, a top level around uh, behavior. You've really embedded that new problem-solving way into everything you do, not just programming. Um, and at Makers, we try to focus on, on the top two levels, the behaviors and the processes, with this idea that the syntax for writing a function in Ruby and you know the concept of what is a function are typically two things you can very easily find on Google. Uh, and so you don't really need a coach for that. But 
the coach can bring you so much value into like improving your mindset or finding a better process. And, and when I say process is like, how long should I wait before I ask a question? How do I search into Google? How do I tackle a problem that where I don't know where to start? How do I make a plan? How do I, how do I debug? Um, and you know so what's amazing yeah. about this is something that honestly made me quite anxious when I was going through my four and a half years of university was that I just felt like what I was learning wasn't going to be applied to what I needed to do in the real world, you know? And I don't know yeah. if it was the same for, for you and also for you, Jonathan, and, and engineering, but, and I get the feeling engineering's a bit more concrete, unintended, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just... It just really worries me that people spend so much time and so much money and come out maybe having learned how to learn, but perhaps not knowing the things they need to know to be useful today and importantly, to get a job today. Yeah, definitely yeah. so much. I felt that way so much when I left university. I felt like I know all those concepts, but I have no idea how to create an app. I have no idea how to create a website. I, I didn't know, honestly. and. If there's one thing I can say of devs at Makers is when they leave Makers, they they know how to make an app. And in fact, they in the final projects, which are the last two weeks, they choose what they want to do um, completely out of, you know, what do we want to learn and what product would we like to see into the world? And they just teach themselves how to do it. And a lot of the time it uses new frameworks, new languages, things they've never learned on the course, and they just they just do it. They just, they, and they typically don't really ask for coaches help. Maybe, maybe twice, 30 minutes in the course of two weeks and they, and they create those amazing projects. Um, so yeah, that's, that's always, when I see that, I always feel really, really admirative because it's so far removed from where I felt when I left university. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I feel like I've done all the talking, Jonathan. You must have some questions stored up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was um, I was really just interested, um, just into into really the methods of uh, knowledge transfer without using obviously the traditional powerpoints. And um, Alice has gone through those, which is which is um, always quite interesting to see how uh at every turn <laughs> we can all try and get away from that mm. burden of uh the the uh the, the the powerpoints but going through uh with with um obviously stripping out those older sort of techniques of of knowledge transfer and teaching people um what kind of mistakes did you did you bump into or did you ever have any sort of um any challenges you had to overcome with with uh i, I guess it, it's not necessarily compressing like a degree into 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 um, mm. the boot camp, but um, what sort of challenges did you overcome that that you wouldn't necessarily um, have had to if it was sort of a longer longer course? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, I think for me it's um, I mean obviously I I didn't create the curriculum at Makers. I joined Makers and there was a lot of curriculum already there and and I've you know I've added my stone to it. Mm, yeah. but, um, but I think uh, when I saw what was done, it really made sense because I could reflect on you know the contradiction of having done having studied software engineering um, for like 
two years part-time and then three years full-time. So, so having done a five years degree with software engineering and still not feeling like I can write an app out of that. Um, but, but also feeling like there were so many things in that degree that even then during the degree didn't entirely made sense as to why we were learning that. And, yeah. and sometimes it felt a little bit like, well, we're learning that because there's this researcher that works in the lab that is at the uni that is really interested in this. And you know, that's, they, they have to teach something and that's what they want to teach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as opposed to, um, as opposed to what are the skills that you need in that job and let's make a list of skills and let's focus on those skills. Um, so I always felt a little bit like there was uh, some amount of of waste and not saying that like those things were not um, interesting on the, uh, on the theoretical point of uh, like um, side or or that they were not, you know, interesting information. Um, but I, I always felt that there were there were some things that were maybe not as as useful, and that the degree was missing things. Um, and then the other thing is that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that you learn in a in a university degree that um, are very theoretical and and don't come up as much in your, in the job. Um, uh, but also uh, something else is that. You can learn all of that on the job. There's so much you can learn on the job. And so I think a little bit the idea with makers is let's get people started. Let's get people at a level where they can get their first job and they can still be, you know, right away from their first job. They can be productive. They can slot into a team. They know about uh, teamwork because that's also something that we do. Uh, they know how to communicate uh, and they know how to solve a ticket. Uh, they yes. know what a ticket is, you know, <laughs> which I didn't know when I went into the industry. Um, they know what deploying an app means, uh, which I didn't know when I went into the industry. So they they have they are um, they have all of this context with them, and so they can be productive right away. Um, and then in that first job, and and in fact in every other job they'll get after that, they can teach themselves what they're missing as they go. Um, uh, and 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 they will teach themselves what they need when they need it, which I think is a much more powerful, uh, you know, uh, reason to teach yourself than just you have a final about it. Um, so yeah, that's I think that's that's what we're trying to focus on. What what are the skills that you that are going to be are going to make you a great junior developer, uh, so that you can have some breathing room in your jobs to then learn everything else you need. Yeah. So what would you say to someone young who is thinking, yeah, I'd, yeah, I did a bit of coding at school and I'd like to be a software engineer like my auntie or my uncle. Um, I'm wondering why you added the young here. So, <laughs> well, I was um, thinking that'd be the second question, but maybe, maybe yeah, take no, it that no, way. Maybe that's the point. Interesting. Yeah. So because because in some ways, you know, maybe a lot of the people that we get at Makers um, have done other things before. Sometimes they've done an engineering degree in something completely different. Sometimes they've they've just uh, got into work uh, quite young and they, they've worked a number of years and then they turned um, to code. And um, and I don't think that's that's uh, wrong at all. In some ways, it brings 
it makes them bring a lot of experience. So I'm always I'm always quite careful when I um, advise young people um, because I think the most important thing when you're young is to just live and explore and discover who you are. Um, I I tend to not really. Uh, believe in like let's let's be the most productive you can be as early as possible um but but of course if that's what you want to do and if you want to just get a software developer job as early as possible um something like makers uh, can help um if you're still in high school um looking up coding uh, uh tutorials and starting to see for yourself is that really something that you enjoy um is what you should do absolutely and in fact um Something else that I thought was interesting is when I was in university, a lot of people who were doing really well at uni in programming were people who had kind of taught themselves programming before they went to uni, which if you think about it, is a little bit weird. Um, but uh, so you're, you're sitting at uni and you feel like you're struggling a little bit because I was not the best student at uni for sure. Um, and there were some people who were just really getting it and I was getting such imposter syndrome until I realized years later that those people had taught themselves to code while they were in high school. And so uni was just a repeat for them. And that's why the teachers could go that fast with the material and, and everything, every, every, everyone, not everyone, but there were definitely a number of people who seemed to be getting it so much faster than I was. That's just because they, they had done this before. And that's also where you can see how the, the privilege at play. Like if you, if you come from a family who has been doing programming and, and who has, um, encouraged you to, um, uh, use a computer, uh, after hours, uh, to learn to program, you're even going to do better at your CS degree and, and then and you're going to see yourself in that crowd and, and that's going to work for you. Uh, but yeah, to young people, I, I tend to always tell them, do whatever you need to do to know who you are. I think, I think, I think up until you're 30, you don't, you don't really need to focus on anything else than, you know, some might say 40, right, are. Jonathan? <laughs> some I, might I say just, 50. <laughs> no, I mean, for sure. But I feel like at some point when you know a little bit better who you are, you can make much yeah. better choices and much more yeah. informed choices um, about what you want to do. Um, so. so what about someone who is, who's had a hard year and perhaps has been furloughed or perhaps has seen their business struggle and is thinking about a change? What would you say yeah. to them? I would say the tech industry is hiring. <laughs> uh, and in fact, we have a bunch of people who even, you know, even before uh, COVID, uh, we've had a number of people come to us because they wanted a future proof job. Um, that's how a lot of people have phrased it to me. Um, some people even told me, I've seen my job being replaced by robots. I want to be one of the people who make those robots. Um, um, but yeah, the tech industry is something that is expanding and, and will need so many more people in the years to come. Um, but also the tech industry needs people of all sorts. The, the tech industry needs to have people who represent the population because the tech, tech serves the whole world and so tech should represent the whole world and that it's absolutely not the case at the moment um i mean i think in a in a good year in a good year the tech industry is 80 percent white male you know uh 
Yeah. Um, so in the bad year, it's more. Um, so uh, and that and and as we know, that doesn't you know fully represent the world. Um, so so the tech industry needs people with different experiences, and so the tech industry needs you now. Will you want to be a developer? That's a that's a question only you can resolve. But it's it's an industry which is hiring. It's an industry which is quite fun uh, uh, to work in uh, with, you know, companies where you'll be cared uh, for, um, with typically quite good uh, life balance, um, uh, work life balance. Not always. Uh, but there, there are definitely a lot of companies that can help you achieve that. Um, not all tech companies are great, uh, for sure, but um, but they exist. And um, it is different, yeah. isn't it? Like, did you find that, Jonathan, that when you when you started to work in tech and and you sit around the dinner table back in the day when we could get together with people in the same room <laughs> that didn't live with us, and uh, you know you talk to people about how work is for a, a teacher or a doctor or whatever role it might be. And I just realized that people in tech businesses get treated better, not always, but often. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because, um, yeah, I mean, I have a weird sort of perspective on it um, in terms of um, my dad worked for a really large uh, motor company and they had this similar approach, but they, they would sort of tool you up for life as well because they know that once you join, it was a different time. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think the tech industry are like leaders in driving uh, in terms of workplace sort of mental health and um, well-being, which I, which I found quite interesting um, that, that it's it's the work, the work uh, sort of home life balances seems to be a lot uh, more manageable in the tech industry than in other places. Um, so, yeah, when you do sit down and you speak to other people in different roles, you do kind of think, oh, um, I am I am quite lucky. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Alice, do you feel like this this approach to having the boot camp and, and you know, learning to learn um, could be applied to other areas where we have skills shortages. So, for example, in New Zealand and Australia, where I've uh, come through, um, they talk about the graying of the trades, meaning that people who are in trade positions and just generally vocationally trained positions are in decline and young people aren't coming into those areas and people aren't training to be a plumber when they're middle-aged, right? Do you feel Mm. like this model could apply to other areas that have traditionally had degrees or apprenticeships? Um, yes, some, um, some industries. So it needs, um, so it's, it's interesting because what we were saying before about, you know, people, you're treated slightly better in the tech industry. I think that people in tech industry are quite privileged, um, and, um, and that also comes with the fact that it's not very diverse and. Maybe mm. if it was less diverse, it would be less privileged in, as in a place to work. Cause that's, that's what we see, um, typically profession that's become more and more feminized typically tend to earn less and less, um, which is always a worrying trend. If there's one thing trend. we could change in our generation, right? <laughs> yeah. 
definitely. Well, uh, but 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 I'm saying I'm saying this. Um, I think in order for the like the boot camp works because a lot of people want to go into the tech industry and that works because the tech industry is quite attractive and the main reason why people don't go into there is because they either didn't have the because they didn't have the opportunity for a reason or another but a lot of the time is they didn't realize that it was something they could do so a lot of people you know out there will say well uh working at google seems amazing but surely that's not something that would ever ever be possible for me um and and so that's quite powerful because we are saying well why not you know what maybe maybe we can do something here and so i think I think tech is interesting because there's a shortage of people, but it's not necessarily that there's a shortage of attract attractiveness. Um, and so I don't I don't know how it is with plumbing in Australia, but uh, I don't know if the problem is that people are not attracted to it or that you know people don't feel like they could do it. Uh, and so I think it I think tech has kind of this unique combination of it needs people and yet it is still very attractive which is weird normally it's very attractive you know there's way more than enough people and and it's just because it has been kind of placed like this as something unattainable i think but um that's where the bootcamp that. works best yeah 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 definitely and that's that's one of my that's one of my main thing that I think about. I think about jargon, you know, the use of jargon and how it excludes people. Um, uh, people like to use those those big words to uh, that that make them sound smart, but but in fact are just a marker of uh, what they're trying to be. And and I I always feel like actually. People who don't really feel threatened don't use jargon as much. So yeah. I, I'm always on that <laughs> crusade for like using using very plain terms and 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 being always open to questions and and to explaining what you mean and and um, and welcoming people in. Um, uh, that's that's something super important for me. What what couple of ideas or bits of advice would you give to software engineers who are listening in terms of? what makes a great engineer today and also as they grow? Hmm. Well, that's something I ask engineers regularly because I want to make sure that uh, on the bootcamp we're still training the best engineers uh, that we can. Uh, I think, so one thing, um, a little bit... Uh, that's a little bit what I said earlier. Um, one thing that I think is really important for a developer is humility, actually. Um, it's being able to ask questions at whatever level you are um, and being very open to saying that you don't know, uh, that you don't know things. Um, and I think sometimes it can feel counterintuitive, um, but there is... So first of all, if you're a senior engineer and you're able to say, oh, you're, you're like, you're doing this. Can you show me? I've never done it before. I don't know how to do this. Um, it's very, very powerful um, because it can help 
uh, junior developers ask more questions. It can show them that it's okay not to know something. Uh, it can make you feel more approachable. Um, it's it's extremely powerful. Uh, but and so I, I even know like sometimes people will even use it. You know, uh, even when they know. And I think that's a good that's a good thing. You want to you want to model the fact that you also ask questions and have questions. Um, but um, and that's because a lot of the time, uh, what blocks junior developers is that they're they're not asking questions because maybe they're they're slightly ashamed that they don't know yet, and um, they don't realize that in fact the a good tech team is going to be a team that just sharing this knowledge with zero, with no person like no ego and no attachment to that's I'm not going to share information or. Um, I'm good. I, I need to prove to people that I'm better. Like a, a team is always at its best when people just fully trust each other and trust that we want to do something good together. And so there's no, it's just a waste of time if you if you don't say that you don't know. So that's, that's a big one for me. Communication is useful. Um, I mean, I guessing I don't know is part of communication, but uh, being able to like as a manager, I think about this a lot. Um, trying to build a team when pe where people really trust each other's intents, um, and that means uh, being like as a manager. That means being you know modeling vulnerability and being being open. But having a team where everyone can be open means uh, having a team where everyone can ask for support. And so a team that is much happier and when people are happy, they just do the work um, and you don't need to ask them to do the work because they're just doing it out of happiness. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I bet a lot of this yeah. probably rings true for you, Jonathan, right? In, in terms of leading a team, um, it yeah. feels quite universal. Yeah, I think um, having the ability, so I think leading back to what Alice was saying with the jargon, uh, which is quite interesting because I try and strip that out of my team. <laughs> Not completely, but um, always have an inquisitive mind and always, yeah. um, you know, I, I used to, I, I did a, a bit of project management as well. And you see, it's like a completely different language um, mm. where you have all these different words that mean different things. And, you know, uh, instead of asking, okay, could I have a report, please? Like, where is that deliverable? And where is this? And all of these kind of different terms and, and you just think okay well you know if we strip that all back and we all um you know we can ask questions and work as a team we get a lot done um yeah yeah so it's it, it's it's uh it's wonderful when once you get rid of those sort of barriers to entry because you can imagine as an outsider looking into tech um and even with yourself um ollie uh with an outsider looking in and, and seeing some discussions where it's just complete jargon you're kind of, uh, to, to an outsider, it's a bit intimidating. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say that sometimes I'm really just trying to save time. And, you know, and, and I call it AWS, um, not just because it's um, Amazon Web, Web Services and it's faster to say, um, mm. but, but also because it's the name sometimes and things do become um, simplified mm. and shortened so that we can just get through it quickly. But I'm absolutely humbled by teams that, including my current team, who will, will just say, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. And it's almost like it's a habit. Um, they may actually know what it is, but they're just reminding me that 
we don't need to use jargon in order to mm. communicate, you know. Um, yeah. It's so important. And, and the other thing that I just love about tech that you touched on, Alice, is that, that I just, people saying I don't know and other people saying I'll help you. And then that kind of goes with the idea of pairing, doesn't it? That let's pair yeah. on this problem and solve it together. I mean, that, that is the opposite of day one at a new job where you sit down and you're like, do I know what I'm doing? Has anyone realized that I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> Will I still be here tomorrow? You know, we've all had that feeling, right? Yeah. And, and it's unproductive and unnecessary. Yeah, the imposter syndrome is something we, I mean, the imposter syndrome is the name that, you know, we give to that feeling of feeling like, surely they made a mistake in my interview and they didn't mean to hire me. Um, if they only knew how little I know, um, but, um, but, but, uh, but I, and that's something that we have even in the bootcamp, right? We have, we have devs on the bootcamp who, um, are at some point or another are struggling with the concept, are struggling with the project and they feel like they don't belong. Maybe they see someone else grasping a concept a lot faster than they do. Um, and, and I think it's so important to just be able to share that this happens to everyone at every level. Um, every, everyone doesn't know some things. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I, and I think you, it's a lot easier to deal with imposter. As soon as you've shared your imposter syndrome, uh, it typically, I'm not going to say it vanishes entirely, but it, it has a lot less, um, uh, way weight on on you it it just it becomes less important because now that you've shared that feeling with someone and they've accepted you and and you know uh, like yeah. apparently i can show that i don't know things and i'm i'm, I'm still accepted here so that is that, that is that is super important and and because as you said it's just a waste of time to feel like you have to um hide things or pretend or it's it, it really is just a waste of time yeah mm, mm. and speaking of which jonathan i could literally go on all night on this topic because it's so fascinating <laughs> do you think we should move into the sharing section ah uh, yes yes i i think we should um so alice um who do you most look up to in the world we ask uh, a lot of our guests on problem busters <laughs> mm. That's a really, really difficult question for me because I never really was that person who has um, model role models or, or mentors. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that you know will do something, and I I will find it really really cool. Um, but I but I don't tend to then you know research their life and and feel like I have to be like them. Uh, so if if I rephrase it, and who mm -hmm. would who would your ideal um, person that you would like to work your 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 current self into, if that yeah. if that helps? I I think at this point I'm 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 at a point in my life where what I want to do is just help as many people as I can. Mm. That's that's kind of my my life mission, I guess. Um, I feel like I've I've been so lucky to be given a number of opportunities that I've made me feel um, uh, more uh, uh, confident, and I just want to share that. So I guess uh, anyone who's doing work around um, showing how things like showing people that they can be 
who they want to be. They can be more confident. They can learn things that uh, things are achievable. Uh, that makes them believe in their dreams. That's that's what I that's what I want to emulate. Mm. On that topic, are there any projects or movements that that you're excited about at the moment? Particularly those that might help folks that are heading through the makers type direction. Mm. So there's a there are, there are some people who. Uh, you know, do um, either comics or Instagram posts to just share uh, uh, things they've learned uh, about code. And in fact, there's, uh, there's um, I don't know if this is a movement, but, but I guess maybe it is, uh, this idea of learning in public, uh, which I find really powerful. And it's this idea that as you learn a topic, you're going to share it. Maybe you're going to share it through uh, uh, blogs or or Instagram or, or Twitter, <laughs> you're going to just share what you're learning as you're learning it. Maybe through um, a podcast. Yeah, maybe through a <laughs> Maybe podcast. through a podcast. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. But I find that so powerful because it's, it's a, to me, it's great because one, it gives other people, I mean, it's, it's exactly the things that animate me. It's, it's, um, you are, you're learning, you're improving yourself, you're growing, and you're showing other people it's possible, and you're sharing knowledge, um, and, and people are going to learn from you. And um, there's um, one one person that comes to mind uh, that, uh, you know, I shared her Instagram today uh, with my uh, students. Her name is Samantha Ming. Uh, she she's just she has an Instagram uh, and she shares JavaScript tips every day and it seems really really simple but it's it's just um, you know she she's she's enthusiastic about JavaScript and then and then she shares that and and then she shares what she's learned and and she brings so much energy to that. Oh, that's um, awesome. We'll put that in the um, notes yeah. for sure. <laughs> and what about then, what about a book yeah, or sorry. a movie? Oh, sorry, you're still going. Keep going. Um, I was going to share something else because it's one of my favorite thing in the world. Um, it's an article, but I believe it's a book now. So maybe I'm just I'm just moving to your next question. Um, you certainly are. <laughs> there's, there's this article. There's this article called "Laziness Does Not Exist." Uh, that, to me, has shaped so much of who I am as a coach. Uh, but I think it, it works for not just coaches. It, like, I, I, I recommend this as reading for um, managers, for coaches, but also for devs and for, for really anyone who can read English, really. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's by this uh, person named uh, Devon Price. And uh, they are, um, I believe they are um, a, a psychology uh, professor. And they have now written a book out of it, which I believe is also called Laziness Does Not Exist. Um, and it's just this idea that a lot of the time what we may write off as uh, laziness, when someone doesn't do something, um, there's most of the time uh, you there are, there are just unseen barriers. There's just... There's just things are blocking them. Maybe it's a psychological uh, blockage. Maybe they don't know where to start. Maybe things are difficult at home. You know, there's there's a there's a number of reasons why people don't do things because the natural, the natural state of humans is to want to do things. And so um, 
to me, it's extremely powerful, obviously, as a coach, because when when a, a dev is not doing the exercises we set out, uh, coming at it from the angle of, uh, well, if you don't do it, obviously you're not learning and, and shaming them for that is, is the worst thing that I can do. Uh, but trying to understand what it is that is blocking them and removing and focusing on that obstacle and removing that obstacle um, is actually really, really powerful. And I think you can even do that for yourself. You can observe yourself not doing something and then reflect on the obstacles instead of, you know, worrying and guilt tripping yourself. And, and if you focus on the obstacle, you can, you know, remove the obstacle and do anything. And that is, that is really so, so powerful. So yeah, that, that would be my, my top advice. It's not, I appreciate it's not specifically about tech, but I think it is about, it is as valid in tech as it is anywhere. Yeah, that's awesome. Jonathan, did you have anything else that you'd like to ask Alice while we have her or should we be respectful of her time? Um, I do have one last question. If I can go for it, my friend. <laughs> for sure. Be like water. It be like water. In 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 the topic of tech, um, what? Uh, obviously, we're in lockdown now. So, what what tech is improving your life at the moment, or is quite helpful to you uh, during during lockdown? Hmm. Interesting. So, I mean, I I could talk a little bit about the. I mean, the tech that I have to use for my job, we use we use uh, Zoom and Slack as a lot of places. But I think I think that Slack is underrated, not necessarily Slack, the software, but the idea that there's this place where all of your conversation lives because Slack has given us such a sense of community through lockdown. Mm. Um, and I've seen the number of messages really increasing and people people sharing resources and sharing fun things and and reacting to each other and and I still feel like every day I I still feel like I'm I'm really joining makers in the morning and I read the messages and I I know what's happening you know I'm not in the place but I know what's happening um uh but then there's a there's another thing that uh is a is a nifty uh, calendar app that I use called reclaim.ai and they're quite new um, and they help me manage my calendar. And I know this sounds like an ad for them, but um, when I became a manager, it became really, really hard to manage my time and still have time. Like my calendar just became meetings basically. And I had to still manage some time for deep work and and and, and reflection and, and breaks. And uh, reclaim is this thing that reads your calendar, and you tell it, well, I'd like to have, you know, I like to have thirty to forty-five minutes every morning to catch up on my emails, and we'll just find the time in your calendar. And if your t your calendar is getting more busy, it's just going to block the time and and re and uh, like refuse in reject incoming requests for meeting uh, for you. You have and, my attention. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this has, I mean, honestly, this has really, really, really helped me um, manage my time better. Um, and now I've told Reclaim that I want to uh, go to yoga twice a week and it's making that possible for me. Because um, we, we have yoga on site. We have our chief joy officer, 
um, Dana, who just does yoga twice a week for for our devs, and uh, and I'm joining that too, and it it's just it's just so much better. So, reclaim.ai, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. I will certainly be looking that up. And so, how could people find out a bit more about the things that that you have to say about the world? And secondly, makers. Ah. Uh, well, I've been wanting to write more and um, they listen to this podcast is the answer. But uh, I guess if you are here, you have listened to this whole episode and, and you're still here and you want to read more. Um, and one thing you can do is you can um, send me a message to say, hey, start writing this blog that you've been wanting to write. <laughs> um, uh, because... I mean, I have accounts on Instagram and Twitter, but I can't say that I really use them. And so I, I wish I knew how to answer this question better. I guess I guess that's the, the honest answer. They can reach me by email. Sure. And we'll, uh, we'll include some contact details. And what about makers? How do people find out more about the idea of a boot camp and learning to learn to code? Right. So that's a lot easier. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a website, makers.tech. Uh, where there's a lot of information about joining makers. Um, we also run events quite regularly that are open to uh, uh, prospective uh, students. Uh, they're all listed on, on the website. Um, they're also on our Facebook page. And Makers is also quite um, uh, active on Medium. And I, what I like about Medium is that we encourage our devs to blog while they're on um while they're on the course. And so if you go to Medium, you can also see a lot of accounts from devs on the course. And I think that's always, it's always nice to not just see, you know, the the, the company content, but, but also to see the journey, the raw journey of people actually going through the course. Um, and there's a, there's a number of uh, websites also that do bootcamp reviews. One of them is SwitchUp. So if you want to just see reviews of people comparing different bootcamps, um, you should you should absolutely do that. I think choosing a bootcamp is a an important life decision. Um, so go read the reviews. Don't just read our marketing content. That is maybe the most honest thing I've ever heard on a podcast, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Alice. Um, and um, we really could just keep talking about diversity and how people learn and and the value of relearning and asking for help but you've shared so much so thank you thank you very much thank you for having me and thanks for tuning in folks don't forget to subscribe and we look forward to the next person the next problem and the next episode mm -hmm.